welcome to Small Town Big Business, a podcast about doing business in small towns across the Midwest. I'm your host, Allison Hassler with Southern Illinois Vacation Rentals. And I'm Russell Williams. I'm the director of Ethos Small Business Incubator and Co-working Spaces. So glad that you joined us and you joined us at the Citadel building, which is down here uh, in Marion, Illinois, Tower Square Plaza downtown. We want to thank our sponsors for making the Small Town Big Business podcast possible. It includes Fowler Heating and Cooling, Arcadia Wealth Group, Light Diamond Harley-Davidson and RV, Watermark Auto Group Foundation, Swinford Media Group, and of course, Union Street Arts. You can join the small town business community by subscribing to our podcast wherever you listen, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Podbean, Apple, or watch the videos on YouTube. Subscribing is free and you won't miss upcoming episodes that are released every two weeks. And if you want to know more about Small Town Big Business or Ethos Small Business Incubator and Co-working Spaces, you can contact me, Russell Williams, at russell at watermarkethos.org or on our Facebook page, Ethos at the Citadel on Tower Square Plaza. All right. And if you are new to our podcast, welcome. We interview successful business owners and founders to find out what makes their business thrive in small towns. And today our guest is Katie Fowler, owner of Lavish Box. Lavish Bath Box. Lavish Bath Box. I knew I was going to mess that it's up. A mouthful. <laughs> Welcome, Katie Fowler. Thank you for coming on the show with us today. Of course. I'm so excited. I've been listening to the podcast since you guys started. That's so. awesome. Yeah. So it's exciting to be here. Yeah. You said you're a podcast listener. I am. Uh, I was showing Allison that, you know, with your Spotify wrapped, it shows you what podcasts you listen to the yeah. most often. And uh, it was Brene Brown, of course. Oh, yeah. Love Brene. Yeah. And then uh, you guys. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so right up there at the top. Yeah, we're just like Brene Brown. We're just yeah. very, we're pro- very professional, as you can tell already, <laughs> right? Yes, very much so. Well, let's start out with our listeners. Let's pretend that they are not from the area. They do not know what Lavish Bath Box is. So can you give us that elevator pitch of exactly what you do and we'll we'll take it back from there and go with your origin story. Absolutely. So Lavish Bath Box is a subscription service and now a retail boutique as well, um, featuring almost primarily handmade uh, personal care, bath and body goods, home care that are made by very small companies or individuals. Um, We like to feature, you know, uh, independent artists, if you will, so that, you know, when you're buying small, um, you're supporting all of these other um, makers. So uh, for women and men, absolutely. Although the, the men's um, section, has grown larger than I ever thought that it would. So that's an exciting addition too. So what made you come up with Lavish Bath Box? So it was was kind of an organic uh, thing. Most of my 
good ideas um, happen in in conversation with other people, um, often in a text thread or you know a Facebook yeah. comment section. And I was lamenting about how the um, opportunity to source these types of products or buy these types of products in a rural area was difficult. Yeah, like you have to drive you know, up to a big city to find these handmade products with intentional yep. ingredients and that and are all do. They people do. People drive far. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and they're also fun and colorful, you know, that they're not, you know, just because it's natural doesn't mean it has to be boring. Yeah. Um, and I was lamenting about how much I love these type of products, but you always have to drive a couple hours um, to find them. And uh, I thought to myself, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't it be really cool if we had access to something like that here? Um, and I was thinking about my last trip up to uh, St. Louis. There's a, there's a store called Lush. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been a fan for a long time. And uh the last trip that I went on, there was a little blue-haired boy that showed me around and was like, if you like this, you might like that. <laughs> and you can, of course, go online and buy things. But, you know, if you're like me, sometimes you get decision paralysis yes. um, or you just don't really know what to try. Yeah. So, you know, I get that way when I'm on Etsy, you know, you oh type man. in handmade soap and then you have 3 million to choose from and right? then it's analysis paralysis and I just don't buy anything. Exactly. So I thought, wouldn't it be really cool if they would just send you a box of goodies to try? And if you liked, liked it, you could buy more. And if you didn't, you could try something else the next time. And, um, I got to looking around and there was no such service. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, subscription boxes were pretty big back in 2016, mm-hmm. uh, which is when I originally okay. started this. And I looked into what it would take to do it and launched two months later. Now, did, wow. you, did you have business experience before this? Well, so I've, I, uh, I've grown up around around a business environment. Okay. So uh, my dad owns Fowler Heating and Cooling, and he's actually uh, been on your show yeah. before. And uh, I actually worked there for um, 12 years, starting when I was in college doing data entry. And then it's one of those things you start and you never leave. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, everything that I have learned um, about business has been, you know, has been from him and still to this day, uh, you know, he's a lot of daughters call their moms to talk about recipes, but I'm calling dad to talk about profit and growth strategies. (laughs) So that's really terrific to have that mentor there. (laughs) It is. So when, so were you working for, uh, Fowler heating and cooling when you started doing this research? I was. Okay. And, you know, I, I didn't tell him about it at first because, you know, I was like, well, if this idea is silly, um, but eventually I got too excited about it. So, um, you know, I, I had reached out to some companies and, you know, of course there's minimum orders and, you know, um, minimum quantities that you have to buy. And so I, I was also a big fan of buying from Etsy. And, uh, so I started finding these, um, independent makers on Etsy, on Instagram, 
you know, when I would reach out and, and tell them what I was doing and that I was hoping to feature different um, vendors or makers, as I like to call them, every month so that not only are you trying new types of products, but you're also getting exposed to an entire, you know, a world of indie um artisans that are making this stuff right yeah so it was kind of a discovery box um in that way wow okay so i want to go back to your when you started and making this decision it seems like because you were already growing up around this that entrepreneurship was very second nature to you like this did you but did you always feel like you were going to go in the same footsteps as your father or were, did you feel like that was a natural path for you or was it just like, Hey, I've got an idea and I'm not scared of going out yeah, on my own and trying this. Yeah. 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 You know, I'm, uh, I'm typically not a risk taker by nature. Um, so when people ask me what gave me the confidence to, to kind of start this, I honestly can't I don't know. I don't know if it just clicked, if it just made sense in my brain. Um, if, you know, I had just been imbued with some, some you know, secondhand confidence from my dad. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I actually studied information systems and technology at SIU. So, you know, going to work for my dad was just kind of one of those things that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. which I think is common when you grew up in a family business setting. Yeah. So, yeah. but, uh, you know, I, I took over a extra office that they weren't using to kind of, you know, start keeping some of the product and, you know, like packing up some of the boxes and, uh, it, it quickly outgrew that. <laughs> That's really cool. Cause I think there is yeah. a big difference be- between beca- being a, customer of a subscription service and saying, I want to be a provider right. of yeah. subscription services. Yeah. That is a big leap of faith. You've done it really well, but you've done it in stages too. Yeah. So, uh, we did, I did launch in our first box went out in March of 2016. Um, and you know, it, of course it started off small. Um, and you know, my thought was, you know, to just curate uh, a box every month. And of course, you know, I would kind of pick a theme and we would, because by buying from um, really small companies, they're willing to do some really creative custom things. Mm. So I could be like, you know, my theme is, you know, intergalactic. Can can we make a galaxy bath bomb? And Mm. they're like, yeah, sure. What do you want it to smell like? What do you want to name it? so I would, you know, pick a theme and, and uh, we would send them out once a month. And uh, putting the, the boxes together is a lot of fun for me because you make the colors match and you make the theme and it just all makes me feel like I have my life together. <laughs> when I look at a box and it, everything just looks beautiful and it matches. And, yeah. and uh, you know, so we, we started slow and, and at our largest, we were shipping out... Um, about 325 boxes a month. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I think what is really fascinating about 
subscription boxes is that you literally can do this anywhere in the world. Literally. You can do it out of your house, your garage. You can do it out of a storage unit. And you could, you know, pick it up and take it anywhere if you wanted to. Yeah. So you, but you did graduate out of your uh, your dad's office and into a storefront, which is a whole different ball game. Can yes. you talk about that stuff? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I, once I had outgrown uh, the little spare office, I had taken over the training room that he had built. And not uh, for that purpose. Right. <laughs> And at some point, you know, a couple years in, he, he uh, looks at me and he says, you know, um, have you considered maybe getting like a warehouse space, you know, to do this out of? Because um, I'd really like to use that to train HVAC technicians yeah. instead of sell soap. <laughs> uh, but he's still encourager. And we know Steve. Oh, so, yes. Yeah. Very. My, my biggest support. <laughs> so, you know, he put this very delicately. Yeah. I told him that I would drive by this this building around the square every day on my way to work. And that, of course, I'd never set foot in in it. But I thought it was just the coolest, prettiest, most awesome building ever. And um, he, he said, I, I know who owns that building, and so do you. And it turned out to be our next-door neighbor oh, really? that I've known my whole life um, and grew up, you know, next to. And so we asked him for the opportunity to buy it if, uh, if he ever wanted to. And he said, you know, I think I could, I think I could put some investments elsewhere if, if you want to take it on. Wow. So, um, so that, so we did. And, uh, it, a lot of renovations. <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> you to, bought an old building in yes. downtown. Yeah, historic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, our building is just just across the street from where we're sitting right now. Yeah. Yep. So, um, but it was a really exciting process to kind yeah. of see it um, come together and to have the vision for and uh, for what it could be. Yeah. And luckily, uh, my dad is very good at that as well. Yeah. At kind of seeing um, the diamond in the the rough, so to speak. Do you like your location? Do you like being downtown Tower Square Plaza? Oh, I love it. You know, um, when I first bought the building in 2018, there wasn't this insurgence of life that has occurred here at that time. So uh, I feel like I am very lucky to be able to be a part of that and kind of, you know, get in early, so to speak, um, and, and kind of watch it grow. Yeah. Well, you've actually helped that because I know that I've been, I have sat at a few of those recruitment tables and be able to say lavish boxes right here. And this business is over there. And so being one of the first and before what you call the the resurgence of downtown, Mm -hmm. um, and really just seeing that vision for the space itself, uh, you were a pioneer in the downtown resurgence. And it takes those those people that see it for what it can be to make those first steps. And then it helps other people see it when they can't see it very clearly themselves. When you say, hey, look, here's a place that made... A, a old building new again mm-hmm. and you can do the same thing. So, yeah. And I've used you as an example, a model, if you will, for e-commerce, um, especially those that may have a storefront, but they don't have any subscription or e-commerce mm-hmm. or 
vice versa, someone who has e-commerce and they don't have a storefront. Because someone who's more wise than me has taught me about e-commerce and they, they had research study that showed, and you can tell us whether this is true or not, that if you had a storefront, your storefront does better if you do some e-commerce, if you have a website and you're selling your product online and vice versa. If you're exclusively only selling online, you do better if you have a storefront. And part of that principle is that people want to feel, they want to see, they want to know that you smell. (laughs) They want to know that you're a real person in a quaint downtown area. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, and honestly, e-commerce is kind of where it's at because people like to they like to to go online and, and look at the products and research the products before they ever come into the store, yeah. you know, just to kind of get a feel for what to expect and, and what kind of things, you know, and it's definitely uh, been a benefit to us to have started online, which is a little backwards, especially for a rural area, but things are changing mm-hmm. um, because, you know, you've got a built-in customer base already, especially when you do a lot of, of shipping already. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I like to call that passive income at this point because I can just be, you know, sitting on the couch with my feet up and, you know, hear my phone go off and it's a sale. Yeah. Um, and not that I, not that work doesn't go into that, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a comfort to know that even when the store is closed or even when the store is slow or it's that time of year, you know, where we're, you know, people are, are out busy taking vacations, their kids are, you know, uh, out of school, that I've got this second income stream coming yeah. in, yeah. which is, you know, a, a relief. But during, during COVID, time. especially the outbreak of COVID, everybody went online. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember spending about, um, when we first heard about the shutdown, I spent about seven hours just going through our website. I, you know, making sure our navigation was as easy as possible, setting up a a pickup strategy so that we could keep going. Uh, and, and it was really a benefit because everything was already there, you know, so we were able to just add a, a curbside option to the website. And, you know, we actually, and I know that it was only our, our second year in business, but we actually continued to grow, yeah. you know, which was considering how many other small businesses were so struggling. And, you know, yeah. a lot of them were just a few more bad months from closing. We were really lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to what you said about the e-commerce and how they go hand in hand with a retail. And I'm thinking about my own e-commerce behaviors as a consumer, that if I was looking side by side and deciding whether I'm going to do a subscription box from somebody that doesn't have a storefront or somebody that does have a storefront, I think it boils down to a trust that if you have a storefront, and it may not be this way for everybody, but I know that if you have a storefront, then I feel more confident that this is going to be a personalized, very conscious decision for you and I to be working together versus somebody that doesn't have a storefront. 
it may be out of their garage, but it also may be out of a warehouse that has, you know, 3000 square feet and it's, you know, more like a factory. Right. And so that's where my mind goes with it is that, is this really going to be personalized? And I would have more trust in that with somebody with a storefront. So, and especially your storefront's adorable. So Thank you. <laughs> very, very cute. You know, because of my attention to detail, you know, I, I never kind of do things halfway. My dad's this way too, except he goes bigger than I, I'm willing to go. Um, you know, so I made sure that when we launched, it looked very legitimate. You know, the, the boxes were printed and designed. One way that my schooling helps me with this is that I can manage the website all myself and do all the design myself. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I made sure that, that we looked really legitimate and, and, uh, for a while people thought we were much bigger than we are. Yeah. So, uh, but especially with this younger generation, um, they really appreciate the uniqueness of, you know, a, a small business owner. So I think that as I opened the storefront and I shared that with my subscription subscription um, audience that it excited them to see that it was just kind of me and, and you know, a very small group of people yeah. that were that were doing this. Yeah, I think that's the key is that you you're a real person. Um, but you have a, a integrity and you've got um, a real response to people, a relationship with people, um, with your storefront. And, and that's reflected, even though they may think you're a bigger business, that's reflected online. And so earlier I told the story of my wife came to your store Christmas shopping and she had left behind her debit card. And so you contacted us by Facebook Messenger Whatever it the takes. same day, <laughs> right? And said, your lovely wife has left your a debit card at the store and she's taken back because she's not from here. She's from a much bigger city. And so she's like, that would never happen back where I'm from. This is awesome to be part of a small town, but that's a reflection of individuals and a community, not a culture that you set, you know, you switch on it's developed and you're part of that. Oh, for sure. You know, um, that one of the things that I love about being downtown is just the, the kindness and the support that, um, I get from my customers, from the other small business owners, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a whole different ball game than being kind of isolated like you are when you're, you know, just focusing on online sales or e-commerce, yeah. you're yeah. kind of in it all alone. Um, you know, so it's, it's been a really great learning experience for me to be able to, um, pull from and, you know, get advice from and be able to, you know, uh, call up one of the other business owners and be like, Hey, this is, you know, like, this is what I am thinking about. You know, what's your opinion? Have you ever done something like this? Um, and it's, it's been a really fun thing. That's wonderful. That's very cool. Katie, what is your favorite part about being a small business owner? I think 
it fits my personality, to be honest. Uh, maybe it's something that runs in the blood that I just don't want to work for someone else. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd rather choose the, you know, 18 hours a day that I work. <laughs> sure. But, um, you know, I, I, I like having, um, I like having the, the control over the way that things run because I enjoy being a problem solver and putting processes into place. Um, and you know, when you work for someone else, you can have great ideas and they don't get implemented. You know, you don't have the control over, um, if, you know, you do come up with a great idea and implement it, if it's going to be something that everyone's going to get on board with. So, you know, I like that, um, that I can come up with these ideas and kind of grow and expand. And I don't have anyone telling me that the old way of doing things isn't broke. So why fix it? Yeah. Ooh. And what's the most difficult part about being a small business owner? What's your challenges? You know, it, it's a fine, it's a fine line that you, that you walk between, you know, um, having a personal life and also in your business and managing employees is a whole, um, is a whole different, different game. I've gotten very lucky so far. Um, but I I find that to be the most difficult just because not everybody is the same personality. Yeah. So you kind of have to figure out how to, you know, make it work Mm -hmm. and to let go of the control a little bit. Yeah. Give it a little bit of a way. I don't remember if it was a Brene Brown quote or if it was somebody else, but um, there was a quote that really stuck with me about somebody else doing 80% spot on is better than you doing it 100% spot on. And it's like, ooh, that hit me right here. Absolutely. <laughs> Delegation is hard. <laughs> it is. And, you know, my dad is, has always been a good example because with 30 employees, you know, yeah. and, and as long as he's been in business, you know, he's like, you got to, you, you've really got to figure out um, the balance between, yes, you could do it, but is there other things that you, that no one else can do but you? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you have to kind of, good nugget. yeah, you kind of have to figure <laughs> out what are the things that are important that only you can do and let, let everybody else kind of support you yeah. in, in the other things. Yeah. You had mentioned that your schooling had taught you a few things. What, what are, what was your schooling and would you consider those part of your strengths or do you have other strengths that didn't come from, you know, Formal education. Sure. So um, I went to SIU Carbondale, um, getting a bachelor's of science in information technology, and this was back in um, in 2004. So definitely dating myself a little there. Um, but what I really enjoyed was the web design and the graphic design portion of that. But back then, e-commerce you know, website development, it was all so new um, that you had to, you know, like you had to learn how to take a computer apart and about networking and things like that. If you wanted to even take any classes that, you know, were web design or, and there was really only a couple, but for the most part, it's, I'm self-taught. 
So I've kind of always been a, a computer nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so I started early in grade school, taught myself how to code. Um, I taught myself how to use Photoshop. Wow. So, you know, um, I definitely think that my schooling, you know, because there were business classes involved in that that uh, degree as well. So it definitely broadened my own uh, skill set. Yeah. So, you know, that it, I was able to build upon the things that I had already kind of dug in and taught myself. Yeah. Very cool. And as a small business owner, what were those things that you didn't get training in that you're not a natural <laughs> in that you really had to either reach out to other people or, yeah. or learn? You know, honestly, the, the, the biggest things aren't even things that are taught in school. You know, it's, it's the ability to kind of put yourself out there and um, to be loud and proud about, you know, your opinions about things and your ideas. And I, I tend to be a little on the introverted side. Um, most people wouldn't say that about me um, if they came in my store, but it's easy to talk about things that you're passionate about. Yeah. So uh, that's really the things that that I've had to learn along the way that aren't even, you know, taught in school. Yeah, I like that. So what would be one tactical thing or resource that your business can't live without? Maybe besides internet, because we know that that's probably a big <laughs> piece <sure>. of it. <laughs> you know, if it, if it wasn't for these, um, these gals that are making stuff in their own little boutiques or in she sheds, they've turned into soap studios. If it wasn't for um, the ability to find really creative people um, that can make these products, you know, I, I think that that we wouldn't be so unique and it wouldn't be as special. Yeah. You know, because that's, I feel like what really sets us apart from, you know, other um, boutiques and, you know, stores and that feature those kinds of products is that, you know, you're, you're really able to, um, to try a bunch of different things and support artists. And, you know, it's, it's probably the most unique thing about our business, but I, I love working with them because I can be sitting in my pajamas and get on Instagram and be like, Hey girl, I, I need more bath bombs. Yeah. You know, and can you, can you whip me up some? And they're like, yeah. So, you know, it gets a whole different kind of, um, business networking. Yeah. You sure. Know. Are you, do you have vendors now contacting you about selling their product. Oh yeah. All the time. Uh, and you know, that, that started pretty early, yeah. um, on with the subscription. I actually uh, have a form on our website, um, where if you're interested in becoming a vendor, either for our box or for the storefront, you can, you know, kind of fill it out, give your information. So, you know, if it's something that I don't already have, you know, in the store, something that I think would be a good addition. Um, I can reach out to them and, you know, work with some, some new, uh, new people that way. Yeah. Do you have a mix of local vendors and national vendors? You had mentioned that you talked, you 
contacted originally through like Etsy and Instagram. Yeah. And that's how you started finding some of them mm-hmm. from the beginning. Did you, do you now have a, a mix of both or are they still primarily national? So I would say that most of them are from all over. Uh, what's really cool about it is that a lot of them are from other rural spaces like ours, you know, small towns, because they can do what they do anywhere. That's very you know? cool. Um, but I do have a few, um, a handful of local people that that um, I buy from. In fact, there is a, um, a good friend of mine that works at SIH, and she makes bath bombs for fun in her spare time. And so uh, we we stock up with her stuff, and, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. She just drives them over to me, you know, on her day off, and yeah. it's, it's really cool. That's great. So if anybody is listening that has a boutique um, artisan shop or are, are doing this as a hobby, then they can just get online and fill out a form, mm-hmm. and you'll follow up based on that form, right? Absolutely. Okay, great. Because I'm sure that we'll have people listening that's like, how do you get into a shop like that? Yeah. Uh, so that's really great to know. So Katie, how has your business changed over the last two years of the pandemic? You know, I, I feel like for many of us, uh, the pandemic was quite an opportunity to kind of slow down and figure out what is working and what's not. Because when you're just kind of in the daily grind, you know, you don't have a whole lot of uh, chances to really reflect on what you're doing, you know, what makes you the happiest, what makes you the most money, where you're losing money. Um, So when everything came to kind of a screeching halt and the noise um, in the brain kind of uh, lessened, Mm -hmm. you know, I was, I was able to really evaluate what I wanted to change and and how I wanted to grow. Um, And so I felt like the next step for us was to um, change our subscription model to uh, a seasonal instead of a monthly, Um, partly because we have been such a a success in the store that I didn't expect. Um, And also because I, I, you know, supplies were difficult to get, Um, you know, it was affecting every industry, especially small businesses who can't warehouse the kind of things that larger companies can. And, uh, you know, it would allow us to, you know, feature a bigger variety of, of products, um, not just bath goodies, which is a, definitely something I've learned having the storefront is that some of our best sellers aren't, aren't bath items. And there's just, you know, it, gives it a broader appeal to, mm. to different people, makes it more giftable. And, um, so we changed that and it's been, it's been a really, it's been a, it's been a good thing so far. Yeah. That's very smart. Knowing that you are in this small town and you are a Marion native, Yes, but you really could have this anywhere in the world, big city, small town. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. What do you like most about being here in your business? 
you know, when I was young, like a lot of other young people my age, I was like, I'm getting out of this one-horse town. Uh, I went to Carbondale and quickly discovered that Marion was pretty cool. Uh, so, but it's really, it's really a, a, a great place because we've kind of got the, the best of both worlds. You know, like you can go to the other side of town and, and you have, you know, Target and some of the other <laughs> necessities, but then you can come downtown and it's just this beautiful um, group of, of small businesses to explore. And one of my favorite things about being in a small area is the kind of support that you get. Um, like having direct access to the people that are making decisions, mm. um, like the mayor, yeah. um, who is is so willing. Before I even opened the store, you know, he called me and said, "I want to have a conversation about um, what you do and you know what your vision would be, you know, um, for the for the square." Mm. Um, and it was it's just so nice that. It's community over competition mm-hmm. here. Yeah. And um, we've heard that a couple times. Yeah, yeah we have. It, for sure. And uh, the best thing about the downtown area is that um, I feel like the younger generations, it's even more important for them to, um, to have unique spaces and to... Um, shop unique products and be able to to have relationships with the people that they're shopping with. And, you know, I wasn't sure how I would fit in this kind of um, old way of doing things. But what I've noticed about this area, um, because we're so small, the change or the opportunity for growth is really large Mm -hmm. and it's been it's been really um exciting to see to see it happen and i uh, i tease my dad all the time that kind of the the old boys club you know where in small towns there was the heavy hitters so to speak um that kind of were at the center of the business world and uh now it's there's a ton of young people, a ton of women, which I think is really yeah. cool. Um, so I, I, my favorite thing about being in, in a small area is just the opportunity for growth yeah. and being able to watch it happen. Well, even the old boys have had to think new thoughts because the economy has changed yeah. and it there is opportunities, been. right? Well, for sure. You can't be closed to what has happened the last 50 years. Um, you've got to be open to what is now. Right. You know, you have to get away from that whole, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You have to always be innovating. Yeah. You know, my dad will ask me, what's your next, what's your next thing? What's, what are you going to do next? Yeah. And I'm like, chill, I'm going to figure this out, get yeah. this perfect. And then I'll take on my next thing. But yeah. so when you had this conversation with the mayor about a vision for small town, what, what is your vision? What do you see happening here? I, you know, I would love to see, uh, you know, with this continued growth, I would love to see it turn into um, 
a walkable destination type place, yeah. you know, somewhere where uh, people from other places come here and get inspiration for their own um, downtown areas or small towns um, where you can just explore um, the whole the whole thing and just you know immerse yourself in all of these unique spaces and unique people um, and, and have conversations with them and I think that I think we're getting there and uh, you know Mike was so open to um, to listening to those ideas and I know it's not just me I know that that he's you know as it has grown and, and new um, businesses have popped up you know he's very very interested in uh, hearing what the next generation of business owners um, have a vision for and what's important to them you know and, and what could really make a difference in their success yeah that's good so and of course a plaza is a place where people gather exactly. and they eat and have fun and yeah. we just came back from mexico we were in the city of monterey which is full of plazas yeah. uh, in mexico and one of them they actually expanded a current plaza and the new name for the new place is called gastronomic plaza or plaza de gastronomic because that's where all the food trucks oh, can be that. parked and i thought that's really cool <laughs> i was going to suggest as a new name for tower square plaza but <laughs> What would you teach somebody if you had a, a new entrepreneur? What would what did you learn that you would like to let somebody know about? You know, if, if if I could go back and kind of tell, you know, my younger self that is just starting, um, it would be to cut out the noise, the the negativity, the unsolicited opinions the um, anxieties, um, because if you're never going to be ready and you're probably going to be be, um, fearful and sometimes you just have to do it anyway. Yeah. You know, just kind of jump in and trust yourself and your instincts. And uh, I think that that's, that was the hardest thing for me when I first got started was to, you know, not listen to everybody else and just kind of trust myself and know that that I can do it yeah spoken like a true business owner (laughs) (laughs) well we want to thank you Katie Fowler lavish bath box thank you so much for joining us you're so welcome it's fun oh yeah I love these kind of conversations you've been been our list for a long time to interview but you've been too busy you know, that's this both a good, good thing, yes, right? it's, it's, a, it's, it's a good problem. Yeah. You know, if you're going to have a problem, let's have a good problem. That's good. <laughs> well, we want to thank everybody who's been listening to Small Town Big Business and listening to this podcast episode. And we want to thank our sponsors again for making this possible. Valor Heating and Cooling, uh, Arcadia Wealth Group, uh, the Black Diamond, Harley-Davidson and RV, Watermark Auto Group Foundation, Swinford Media Group, and of course, uh, our producers, Union Street Arts, and our producer, Luke O'Neill, owner of Union Street Arts. So thank you all. Yeah. And remember, you can look for Small Town Big Business anywhere you listen to podcasts, and you can see us online with our YouTube channel. And remember, subscribing is free, and you will be notified when we release our next episodes, which are released every two weeks. If you want to learn more about small town big business or ethos, 
small business incubator in the co-working spaces in Marion, please email my co-host Russell at Russell with two L's at watermarkethos.org. Yeah. And I'm Russell Williams. And I'm Allison Hassler. Thank you for joining us.